Regular session minutes of 921-22. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. I'll second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Item C is public participation. And today, it was brought to my attention yesterday. Mr. McGee, I'm so thankful that you did this. I'm going to show this picture. This is Charles William Crow. He is 102 years old today. And a little bio on him. He was born in Ohio. He lived in North College Hill till 1950 when he moved to Amelia to live out his life. Uh, he and his wife, Betty, were married 64 years until her death in 2009. He worked for Ford Motor Company for 36 years. Charlie enlisted in in 19, and served in, from 1943 to 45. He was sent to Germany to be in the transportation driving supply trucks and soldiers when needed. Part of his life was the uh, provident part of his, I can't even read. Who wrote this? Bob, did you read or write no, this? <laughs> <laughs> he has always uh, felt that, <laughs> that he was a big part in our freedom that we will all enjoy every day. And with us today is um, Anna. He is her father-in-law and uh, Robert McGee, former trustee in Union Township and a very good friend of his. So we have a certificate of recognition. And Anna, if you wanna come up and we'll present this to you. I really did not know that we had anyone left in Claremont County that served in World War II. Did you know that, Commissioner I, I, I knew that we probably had some World War II vets left, but I wasn't sure if we had anybody that was actually at Pearl Harbor he since uh, Pearl Harbor. He, he, he was. was. No, he, was he was not. Okay. okay. I think Mr. Witt was our last. Okay. That's what I thought, too. Mm -hmm. So this certificate of recognition is presented to Mr. Charles Crow. On the occasion of your 102nd birthday today, we extend a heartfelt thank you for your years of service to our nation in World War II and beyond. On behalf of the citizens of Claremont County, we want to honor you on this day, and it is signed by the Board of County Commissioners, myself, Bonnie Bachelor, Commissioner David Painter, and Commissioner Claire Corcoran, and they know they have to get up here and get their picture taken. That's the rule. <laughs> But thank you for letting us know this and you telling it is an honor. Bob Cross. Come on. Sure. Right. I'm going to take we're this getting, picture. We're getting pictures here for you. We'll get them to you. You don't turn to 102 every day. That's, wow. <laughs> 
I think the best part about it, they said he still knows them all and everything when they go to visit. It's so it's amazing. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, anyone else for public participation? <laughs> Mr. Hicks? You know I have you to read. read the they you know I have to read this. Well, I was the one doing the talking, <laughs> so. So, during this time, the board does not answer questions nor engage in a debate. No member of the public may comment about a matter that is not within the purview of the county commissioner's responsibilities. The commissioners are not expected to comment on matters brought to the board during this time. Each speaker shall only speak once and shall be recognized by the board president before speaking. In accordance with the board's rules of procedure, your comments are limited to five minutes. I'm Chris Hicks from 444 Woodwood Court, and last Wednesday I came here and I talked some about uh, baby boxes and safe haven awareness across our county and the opportunity to be part of uh, something I would think is going to be special and is going to hopefully happen at the state level, but is the notion of getting safe haven awareness signs on every fire station, police station, and hospital in Claremont County and then across our state. It's funny to think, and I said then, that safe haven is started in 2001 in Ohio, but we did absolutely nothing to raise any awareness. We did nothing to, at fire stations, most all fire stations have anything at the fire station that indicates what procedure, what you should do if you showed up with a baby at a fire station. I've come to find out just since Wednesday that uh, in my township, Union Township, where I believe there's six fire stations, one with a baby box, the five other fire stations had no documented procedures for what to do in the event of somebody coming up with a baby. And we might want to think about it. I think I'm going to try to figure that out across our whole county. How many firehouses actually have documented procedures and have printouts of the state required materials that you're supposed to give to somebody if they're safe havening a baby. But I came here back today uh, because I love these meetings. No, because uh, Mr. Painter, after I had talked, and from the building department, Bruce Crace was here, got into a discussion with him unrelated to the topic that Mr. Crace was here for about baby box inspections and electrical inspections. And I just want to correct some things, and I appreciate if you are going to interact to do it while the speaker's here versus wait till after they're done talking and then go places with things, Mr. Painter in particular. Um, but I think you're wrong. Okay, I think the electrical code, and I talked with Mr. Crace in the hallway, after you had put him on the spot, I thought wrongly so, to ask him questions about something he was not here present here to talk about. And so this is a picture, it's not from here, but it's a picture of a baby box delivered at a different fire station. You'll see it's a stealth-contained appliance. You see the plug coming out of it, which Mr. Painter got that part right. Uh, but in Union Township, one of these was put in well before there was any inspection. The inspector, because of an electrical appliance being installed permanently in the wall of a building, should have been looking for a UL listing on that device. And if there was no UL listing on the device, should have asked for some sort of safety indication or safety test data, especially in a, there's different rules for homes versus commercial and governmental buildings. 
and also especially when this is something being put out to the public, okay, that you walk up to it, touch it, grab it, and it's an electrical appliance that's plugged into a 15-amp circuit. So I just wanted to correct that and, uh, you know, make sure that people know that the common approach in building would be that if there is a device mounted in the wall of a building, or technically, most people would think it would be crazy that you would mount an electrical device in the side of a building that's not been UL listed or safety tested. But especially because it's a self-contained appliance that's plugged in, that whole device should be UL listed as a total device before it's put, but basically, even if we're just used in a building, which wouldn't require any permit, but especially so if it's being mounted in the side of a building for the public to use, exposed to rain, weather, and otherwise. So I just wanted to correct that, but I also wanted to say that I think it's more important to not focus on those kind of things, and that's not what I focused on, although I did mention it not being UL listed. I think what we need to focus on is how can we use what's happened with the baby box, and now I think pretty much every one of the fire stations under investigation in Ohio for different code violations associated with the boxes is that how we use it as an opportunity to raise awareness of the important issues around safe haven and just the thing that probably none of us ever thought about is that safe haven has been around which is the ability to drop off a baby with no questions asked for over 20 years in Ohio and we've really done nothing we've done nothing and every fire station should have some visual indicator on it of if you're safe having a baby here, what you should do, you know, ring the bell, uh, call 911 if nobody answers the bell. And that's something that I think in a state for almost, you know, for $50 a fire station, we can do, have as much, I believe, as much or more impact than $15,000 boxes that are benefiting a private company. So thank you guys. And if there's any questions about anything I've said, be good. I'm glad to answer them now versus come back the next time to answer things that are brought up when I've left the podium. Okay, absolutely. Well, would you clarify that when you came here the last time that you did mention there was a problem with the UL listing on that box? As I just said right now, I mentioned that the box was but, not UL listed. But you said that my questioning, my questioning, the authority having jurisdiction was out of character or wasn't covered by this meeting, even though you identified that there was a possible violation of no, UL listing you, you here in Claremont County? You then misquoted the code. No, I didn't you misquote you didn't, the code. You put words in the mouth of Mr. Crace no. that the electrical code said that there didn't, it didn't need to be UL listed. I believe that's false. And I believe and that I, is not false. Okay. So we will just beg to differ there. So then let me ask you this, Mr. Painter. Sure. Do you think that it is intellectually, morally, or ethically proper to have an electrical appliance mounted in a wall that is serviced by a 15-amp circuit not be safety tested and not be UL listed? Is that the position you're taking? Is your position that this box right here is UL listed? No, my position is this box is not UL listed. It is not safety tested. And the actual contract for it, I can't believe any government entity would enter into, you, says in the contract that it's not been safety tested. Is your, is your position that a UL listed device, even if it's, this were UL listed, and then it's modified from its existing condition and placed into a building wall would not be uh, subject to inspection by the authority having jurisdiction, which is the building code inspector in this county? I just know talking to people that I know that are building inspectors, they tell me that if they were to see a, a, in a commercial location a device mounted as a permanent fixture in the building that had no indication of any UL listing or safety testing, under the code, they would be obligated to ask for evidence of its safety testing. You get into this thing and you did last time about 
a, something that's been modified. The point with this is, I, first off, I don't think this has been modified. But the point is, Mr. Painter, it was never ULS that are safety tested in the first place. Right. Obviously, if I buy something in my house that was my house, we have an outdoor heater that's electrical. Okay. If I bought it and then I modified it, and it was UL listed when I bought it, and then it burns the house down, and I modified it, it kind of, I probably couldn't go back against the original manufacturer saying, well, it was UL listed when I had modified it. We're not talking about modifications here. This is a self-contained device that's delivered as a unit. You can see it right there, packaged up. That is not UL listed, and the contract of which says, not only that it's not UL listed, that it's never been, it's not been safety tested by any recognized lab. That's what it says in the contract. And I'm just saying we can sit here and we can argue about UL listing and what's the, I think the common sense aspect, I think I'm right, but I think also it defies, it defies common sense to be arguing with me about, about this whole matter. And the second thing it defies common sense of, it totally loses focus on the point, on the point that I came and spent most of my time talking about is the importance in our county of raising awareness as to safe haven and what the options are so that people can know, and they know what to do, and every fire station knows what to do. I know in Union Township, the stations I've seen, they have doorbell buttons on them. And I, Bonnie, I'm looking at you because I know you have a fire background. They have doorbell buttons. I'm surprised when I've looked at other places in the state, how many fire stations have no doorbells on them? So if I were bringing a baby up there, or even if I was trying to get a fireman, you know, what do I do? How do I do it? And real quick, I know I'm, I appreciate you interacting with me here, so I pre even though we're disagreeing, I appreciate it, is I was actually at the Troy Baby Box when there was a T-bone accident in front of the station, honest to God. And then I ran in because the bay doors were open, where the, and I was screaming for a fireman. Some lady across the street thought I was a fireman and started screaming at me. Then she comes over and screaming. It took the better part of five minutes just to get a fireman in the fire station because there was no bell. There was no, they were somewhere back at, you know, there was no bell to push. There was no way to alert them. There was no phone that says, if you need assistance, you know, like the old time police boxes you'd see on the street. And it's just something to think about in Claremont County and across our whole state. It, as it relates to safe haven, but anything, if I approached a firehouse, do I even have a bell to press to get into the firehouse? And I've seen two of them, the one in Delhi and the one in, uh, in um, Troy, the stations don't really have any way to alert a fireman inside from the outside that I need a fireman out here there so I don't want to go on and on and we can debate but I think that this is the important thing is raising the awareness I think we can debate who's right and wrong on the electrical code but I think the notion of arguing about whether a 15 amp electrical appliance that comes packaged as a unit should have been UL listed at any point is a I'll have that debate with you all day long because well, I think it's just a matter of common sense and look our our, our argument here is we're not nearly as far at odds as, as you think we are. It's, okay. it's not a debate about whether it gets listed or not. You had identified in front of this board that there was a UL listing problem on an installation. Identified I, that it was I, not UL. Hold on, hold on, I let okay. you talk. I let you talk. My inquiry with Mr. Crace wasn't to debate what you had said. It was to fully identify if there was actually a violation of the National Electric Code here, since I have worked in that code for 40 years. Okay. And so what he told me was that he had inspected the installation in accordance with the building code here in Ohio, and he had issued a green tag for that installation that meant that it met all the requirements of the National Electric Code. 
Now, we can debate that any way we want to, but the authority having jurisdiction has jurisdiction, as you can read in the code, to inspect any type of electrical installation and determine if it's acceptable for use. And my only intention was to, was to show that there was no violation of the National Electric Code because it had been inspected by the authority having jurisdiction. So the electrical, that was it. just real quick, the electrical, um, there was no electrical permit on the unit. I'm, okay? I'm aware I of talked it. to Mr. Price in the hallway. If you would like me to prove what was said in the hallway about inspections and what happened electrically, I'm glad to do that and share it with you. Because I think you are misrepresenting and you put him unfairly no, on the no, spot I'm on a different topic about this issue. I'm not misrepresenting. And like I said, anything. if you would like me to prove what he told me in the hallway relating to electrical inspection of the box, I'm more than happy to do that. I am aware that that installation was done without the permit being pulled. And I'm aware of hundreds of, ele of electrical installations that happen in this county every year. And I'm also aware that our building department has to go and go back and do whatever investigation that they can to try to approve that installation, the same as they did at this installation. Yeah, and I don't think there was really an electrical inspection done that, at this because there was no permit. That, that's not. We could go on all day. We could go on and on. Yeah, I, Bonnie and Claire are like they probably. Don't I have do. seen. <laughs> so, I have seen the paperwork that attests to. And that I've the seen the paperwork. And I've seen the paperwork as well because, as you know, I'm pretty good at getting the paperwork. And so, and I also had the discussion in the hallway with Mr. Crace about what actually happened. But again, Mr. Painter, I think you're missing the whole point of common sense safety, okay? And you're missing the whole point of this is the whole point, okay? We're sitting here arguing about electrical inspections, and I would say it is insane that this device is not UL listed at any point in its lifetime. And again, you've made that statement again, and I will attest. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. I will attest the installation okay, is accordant with on. the building code. Thank you. Consent agenda board, you've had this in time to review. Are there any corrections or deletions? None. Can I have a motion to approve? I'll make the motion. Second. Okay. Roll call, please. Commissioner Corcoran. Yes. Commissioner Painter. Yes. Commissioner Batchelor. Yes. Item E, non-consent agenda. Moving on. Item 8, it's a recommendation that the Board of County Commissioners adopt resolution number 142-22, resolving to approve payment to vendors and the revised total amount of $1,867,441.41 as outlined in the BCC approval invoice report for checks dated September 26, 2022, BCC directed prepaid invoices, reports, and or the procurement card transaction report as presented by the county auditor on 9-23-22 further authorizing the county auditor to issue warrants for same pursuant to section 319.16 of the Ohio Revised Code. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. A second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Painter. Yes. Commissioner Corcoran. Yes. Commissioner Bachelor. Yes. Item number nine. Susan. Good morning. Nope. Good afternoon, Susan. I'll take it either way. It's the recommendation of Susan Wolfer, Director, Department of Job and Family Services, with the concurrence of Thomas J. Eigel, County Administrator, to execute the sub-grant agreement for career services by and between the Workforce Department Board of Butler, Claremont, Warren, the Area 12 Chief Elected Officials Consortium, 
of the chief elected officials of Claremont County, Ohio, subgrantee, relative to the provision of Title I career services under an award of Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, WIOA, funds, as well as other federal and state grant funds as awarded to adults, dislocated workers, and youth in local Area 12, with said sub-grant agreement to set forth the terms, conditions, and requirements for the administration and use of said sub-grant funds for career and related services in local Area 12, effective for the period of July 1, 2020, through June 30, 2023, an amount not to exceed $1,022,120.80 pursuant to and in compliance with the terms and conditions specified therein and in accordance the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, WIOA, the authorizing federal statutes and the funding agreements for each funding source authorized under the subgrant agreement. Board, you've heard the reading of item number nine. Do I have a motion to approve? I'll make the motion. I will second. Any corrections or deletions? No. Roll call, please. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Abstain. Thank you. Thank you. Number 10, 50. Good afternoon, board. Yesterday. Number 10 is a recommendation of Jeremy Evans to adopt resolution number 14322. This is resolving to request the state of Ohio director of transportation to reduce the speed on Olive Branch Stonelick Road. It's a 3.7 mile stretch between uh, Old State Route 74 and State Route 222. Thank you, Sue. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 10. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. A second. Any corrections or deletions? Roll call, Gail. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Corcoran? Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Number 11. Number 11 is a recommendation to award the bid for project number PI 1717. This is the Nordyke Road Bridge Replacement C96 0.38 project. Um, it's located in Pierce Township and it's to be awarded to JTM Smith out of Fayetteville, Ohio for their lowest and best bid that was received on July 21st this year in the amount of $359,000. $896.48 and to execute contract number PI-1717 in compliance with the terms conditions set forth in the award of bid contingent upon re release of the purchase order. Thank you, Suki. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 11. Do I have a motion to approve? I make the motion. Second. Any corrections or deletions? No. Roll call, Gail. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batch? Yes. Thank you, Suki. Item number 12. Captain Darren Stallworth. <clears throat> Good afternoon. Good. 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 Uh, recommendation of Robert S. Leahy, County Sheriff, with the concurrence of Thomas J. J. Eigel, County Commissioner or County Administrator, to execute the Fifth Amendment of the contract by and between the Board of Commissioners of Claremont County, Ohio and Summit Food Services, who address is 1751 County B Road West, number 300 Roseville, Minnesota, 55113, for inmate food services for Claremont County Adult and Juvenile Detention Facility. Previously rectified by the Board of County Commissioners on 829-18, extended on 9-4-2019, amended and renewed on 9-25-2019, amended on 6-17, uh, 2020 
9-23-2020 and 9-28-2021 to increase the cost per meal as stated therein, which reflects 7.7% increase in concert with the consumer price index of all city food away from the home for the previous 12 months in accordance with Article 16 of the AFRA stated contract for service and includes payment of 50% cost for chemicals required due to the, implement, the implementation of additional safety procedures due to current health crisis and global pandemic with the cost of county of the county approximately uh, $7,200 annually and to be renewed for an additional 12 months in accordance with Article 15 of the AFOR stated contract for service effective for the months in accordance with, uh, well, excuse me, the period of 9-30-2022 through 9-29-2023 with all other terms and conditions and provision of the original contract of service to remain in full force and effect until otherwise modified by the amendment. Thank you. Or you've heard the reading of item number 12, which was a long one. Yes. <laughs> There's no periods any? in this thing. <laughs> Even for a bread. Uh, yeah. yeah. need to get you a glass of water now. I know. Do we have any corrections or deletions? If no. not, could I entertain a motion to approve? So moved. I'll second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Painter. Yes. Commissioner Corcoran. Yes. Commissioner Batchelor. Yes. Thank you. They sent you over here to read the long one. They always do. Thank you. 13, Greg. Yeah, the next three. The first one is a uh, recommendation to approve the confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement form with author which authorizes Jessica Wiederhold, uh, Director of the Department of Public Safety Services, um, as the authorized agent for the Board of County Commissioners to execute confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements for those that observe such activities at the Claremont County Communication Center. So what this is, if, um, you know, as you know, the comm center is part of the Leeds uh, uh, law enforcement. So if people come in to observe 911, uh, whether it's um, other agencies or whatnot, they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement about um, being in that room. There's a sense of information in there. So this just authorizes Jessica to sign that. That's like when I used to take the new EMTs over there Correct. to watch and observe so they know what they Correct. Board, you've heard the reading of 13. Do I have a motion to approve? I'll make the motion. Second. Roll call, please, Gail. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batch? Yes. 14. We're going to stay with DPSS. This is execution of the maintenance agreement for net motion complete subscription licenses. Uh, the company is Absolute Software Incorporated. 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 <laughs> um, this is to renew. Uh, the maintenance agreement for maintenance support of 202 licenses of end use for end users and it's actually absolute software they used to be known as net motion wireless uh, out of Washington uh, in the amounts not to exceed eighteen thousand four hundred seventy six dollars and ninety four cents effective nine thirty twenty two through nine twenty nine twenty three and this is software that nine one one uses um, it's part of that chain once you call nine one one there's different software that takes over this is one of those softwares they use Board, you've heard the reading of 14. Do I have a motion to approve? Motion. Second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. 15. 
stay with DPSS. This is uh, a contract with DC Group LLC for maintenance and repair of services for the UPS supply units located at our various tower sites uh, here in Claremont County as well as Northern Kentucky. Uh, this is a contract with DC Group LLC out of Minneapolis, Minnesota for maintenance repair services for the UPS units located at the various tower sites on an as-needed on-call base uh, on-call basis as a time and materials price quotation not to exceed seven thousand dollars effective 10 1 through 12 31 22. Um, the reason we're doing this just from as a stopgap this uh, service is back out to bid uh, and those bids come in in a couple weeks so this is just to get us through the end of the year in case any uh, repairs come up Board, you've heard the reading of 15. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. I'll second. Any discussion? None. Roll call, please. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thank you, Greg. You're next, Hannah. Good morning, Hannah. Afternoon. Afternoon. Hannah. Good afternoon. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> um, it's my recommendation. Hannah Lubers, Director, Office of Environmental Quality, with the concurrence of Lyle Bloom, PE Director of Utilities, Claremont County Water Resources Department to approve the request to advertise for bids for laboratory analysis and industrial sampling services pursuant to the specifications and to authorize the clerk of the board to place a legal notice in a newspaper of general circulation on Thursday, October 6th of this year, scheduling a non-mandatory pre-bid meeting on Monday, October 17th of this year at 2 p.m. local time with bids to be received until 2 p.m. local time on Thursday, November 3rd of this year in the office of the Board of Claremont County Commissioners, 101 East Main Street in Batavia, where they will be publicly opened and read aloud shortly after that notice will also be posted on the Claremont County's website. So this is an analysis for bids um, for laboratory testing that we do outside of our wastewater laboratory. We do 14 tests in-house, but some of them we send out uh, due to economies of scale and then also we do about half of the sampling for the industrial pretreatment program. We contract that out typically. Okay. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 16. Do I have a motion to approve? I make the motion. Second. Any discussion? No. Roll call, Gail. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thank you, Hannah. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello, Desmond. Afternoon, Commissioners. Afternoon. Item 17 is a recommendation of myself, Community De Development Administrator, with the concurrence of Michael McNamara, Director, Department of Community and Economic Development, to authorize Bonnie J. Batchelor, President of the Board of County Commissioners, to execute the grant agreement by and between the County of Claremont and the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Columbus Field Office in Columbus, Ohio, including all understandings and assurances relative thereto, for the provision of funding for grant number B22UC390010 relative to the fiscal year 2022 U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Community Development Block Grant CDBG program for the County of Claremont in the amount of $970,487 for the period beginning 7-1-2022 through 9-1-2029. Pursuant to and in compliance with the terms and conditions set forth therein and in concert with the application for federal assistance ratified, ratified by the Board of County Commissioners on 7-20-2022 relative thereto.
Board, you've heard the reading of item number 17. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. A second. Any discussion? Um, just to talk about it just a second. Talk about Village of Bethel. Just I, I, I saw that one come up, and it's for paving of residential streets. What was the scope of work that they were looking for? And, and, and my question goes to, there are many villages in Claremont County that would like help with paving of residential streets. Right. In fact, Miami Township went to the point to where they actually passed a levy to take care of, of residential streets. So, so I'm just asking. Right. What, what would be the feature here that Bethel needs help paving streets and that we wouldn't be at Owensville or sure. some other place? Uh, well, Owensville had, has applied for some other items this year um, that weren't funded. I think, number one, uh, the village of Bethel does qualify as a, as a low and moderate income area. Uh, uh, just the median income there is much lower than, than say, Miami Township. Um, as you know, the CDBG program does try to focus on those lower income areas and, and really uh, just the conditions of the streets that they submitted. Uh, they're also putting in uh, <coughs> matching funds, I believe, of $50,000 for that project. So so for a village, that, that was a pretty good contribution. And I think the committee that, that looked at these felt like, um, you know, it, it was really a good project that, that the commissioners should support. Desmond, they had not received money for a while either, had they? They had not received money in a number of years. That is one of the factors in the scoring. Uh, we do a five-year look back to see who, who had not been funded, and I don't believe they've been funded no, I think that was one of for the past five years. And, and don't get me wrong, my comment wasn't that that's a, that's a bad path forward. No, sure. You know, I think whenever we can reach out to the small villages and, and the small townships, like, for instance, Jackson. Now, I've been to their meetings many times, and they, they really have to decide what one mile of roadway that they're going to try and repave, you know, due to, obviously, you know, funding shortfalls that they have. So uh, no, no problem with that. Just, yeah. wanted, to, just wanted to discuss it. Thank you. Any other discussion? No. Do you do roll call, Gail? I'll do it now. Okay. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thank you, Desmond. Thank you. Thanks, Desmond. Greg, are you back? I'm back. <laughs> it's actually my project now. I don't do somebody else's. So we're here to talk about broadband. If you, rec if you recall back in it was March, we did uh, request qualifications from uh, firms to study broadband in the county. You know the ARPA funds have a significant portion of that available for broadband so what I have here is a recommendation uh, to execute a contract for professional services with insight public sector out of uh, Herndon Virginia for the provision of consulting uh, services in accordance with the scope of services that we already put out for the purpose of broadband expansion in Claremont County for a total cost not to exceed $232,690 uh, and with those services to be complete within 150 calendar days from the uh, receipt of the signed contract and notice to proceed. And all this is contingent upon the issuance of a certificate of insurance from Insight, a Bureau of Workers' Compensation certificate, and a company authorized signatory. So if you recall, we had, I think, four submittals, and we uh, reviewed all four of them. We felt that Insight was our best bet to, to figure out what we do going forward. As we know, the west side of the county is pretty well served, right? If you're near 275, you have Alta Fiber, you have Cincinnati Bell. But what we're finding out is, although the FCC says we're well served, that's not the case because FCC says 25 down and 3 up is broadband, and we all know that if you're working on telecom, like that, it just doesn't work. Well, also what we found out was, 
there isn't the broadband out there that they say there is. They may look at uh, cell phone data, they may look at other data that's not uh, um, substantial enough for broadband. So what we're going to do is take a look at this and, and determine where we have broadband. We know it's in the, in the western part of the county, but that's the eastern part of the county that's going to be uh, not as well served. We're going to meet with stakeholders, we're going to meet with the Farm Bureau, we're going to meet with the school districts, we're going to meet with uh, business stakeholders to figure out where is uh, uh, fiber best served or broadband best served. Because what we've realized is Cincinnati Bell, Spectrum, all those legacy providers, they don't have the uh, wherewithal to extend the network. If you give them the network to a, a point, they can build out a neighborhood. But the reason they haven't expanded is it's not feasible for them to take that middle mile. So we're going to study the middle mile um, route and figure out what's the best way to get broadband out to the rural parts of the county. And then the private, provi private providers can pick up from there and then take it into the neighborhoods, take it to the farms. Um, you know, there's uh, Starlink, there's other wireless services, but it will never compete with fiber. I don't care what you do, what technology you have, uh, a hard fiber line is the way to go. So uh, the hope out of this study is we're going to figure out what our community stakeholders need, what's going to work best for them, and then how we can best serve everybody to get that middle mile out there to let these private companies then leverage that and then extend their networks. Um, in addition to this, this study will also do a preliminary engineer plan so we can then take that out to the next step for bidding. So we're excited about this, uh, using those ARPA dollars the way they were intended to. Thank you. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 18. Do I have a motion to approve? I'll make the motion. I'll second. Any discussion? Greg, this is a good path forward. You know, many, many of the other counties that we're getting to talk to, we were just up at OVRDC. Many of them are going with an ISP provider. And, and you know that that's just, you know, it's providing the same solution and expecting a different, you right. know, outcome. And, and that just won't do it. I think getting your hands around the scope and knowing exactly what you want them to take on is money well spent. So yeah. thanks. And our hope is we get the connection to the backbone, and then we also have more competition that can lease out some of our fibers. And so then there'll obviously be a, a lease charge to the county that will help maintain our portion network. And another part of this, it does interconnect all of our facilities, um, interconnects our lift stations, our towers. Um, so many times we have a lift station failure, which are on cellular modems for the alarms. Cellular modem fails. We don't know if the lift station's gone down, so we'll have uh, redundancy in, in, in our critical infrastructure as well. Okay. Roll call, please. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thanks, Greg. Suki and Mary Rains, we got a duo. <laughs> We're going to let Suki handle She's going to do it all? She is. All right. Mary threw things at me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, item 19 is a recommendation to execute an amendment to Exhibit A of the second amended and restated intergovernmental agreement between the board and the Claremont County Transportation Improvement District. This was previously ratified by the Board of County Commissioners on August 15, 2006, and subsequently amended six additional times. This is for the provision of cooperating in the development, coordination, and implementation of short-range and long-range transportation improvement projects throughout Claremont County that are identified in the Regional Transportation Improvement Program established by the Claremont County TID to allow, this amendment will allow for a revised pledged revenue summary dated October 2022 as identified in Exhibit A pursuant to Section 1.02 of the Second Amended and Restated Intergovernmental Agreement with all other terms and conditions of the original agreement and any and all amendments thereto to remain in full force and effect. 
So what we have uh, presented to the board today for their consideration is an amendment to the funding agreement. Um, the last, probably the last two amendments had the uh, Claremont County funding agreement um, between the county and the MVNG, which is the county engineer's money, go out through 2036, which was the last time bonds were issued. They took the debt service out to 2036. Um, what's come to light is that the bond trust agreement held by the bank to, to um, pledge against the bond payments requires that a reserve account be established that funds the next year's debt service every year. So the 2036 debt service has to be in a reserve in 2035. So there was no reason in this original pledged revenue to have a 2036 payment from the counties because those monies were required to be on deposit the prior year. So what I'm doing in this amendment is moving the 2036 pledge up to 2022 so we can fund the reserve and then hold that for the remainder of the um, debt schedules through 2035. Then in, when 2036 debt service is due, the reserve account will pay it. Weren't you for the reading of item number 19? Do I have a motion to approve? Before we make a motion on this one, I mean, I would just, this is the first time I've heard of this. I've had no, no involvement in this at all. It hasn't been explained to me. I would ask that we table this until the next session to where we've all had time to review it and, and talk about it. Is it to table? Do you have a specific question or you just? I mean, I didn't even know that this was even coming up or, or what this is about or what that service line, we're being asked for here. The bottom line <clears throat> number on the pledge revenue is not changing. It's a timing thing. So we um, are just moving what was pledged in 2036 to 2022. But when we're moving it, that means are we appropriating this for payment? Yes, the, an additional and appropriation. This, and so this money is coming out of the general fund to appropriate it? Uh, some of it's coming out of general fund, some of it's coming out of MVNG. And I've been, I have not been made aware of what the distribution is or That's, where the funds yeah, are the coming. Ex, the exhibit there. Mm -hmm. General, what has happened uh, probably since the TID started is the county general fund through either the county capital or through the RIDS was covering a million, over just over a million dollars a year. County MVNG engineer fund also covered a million dollars. So those monies, as they're pledged, they go to pay the debt service that was issued by the county, by the Claremont County Transportation Improvement District. Mm -hmm. These were the pledges that allowed those to be sold as revenue bonds, because these were the revenues that were coming in to support that. So what, ha what didn't happen was a reserve account should have been established at the beginning. Um, they, the trustee started to enforce that recently and we're trying to get that reserve account funded. So not, the reserve account pays. Not against it, just not, not aware of it. That's, that's all. fine. Okay. So. You still want a table? Mm-hmm. Okay, can you wait till next week? Yes. All right, then I'll give you a second to table so we can have time to review it. Okay, thank you. Roll call, please, Gail, to table. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thank right. you, Suki. If you have any additional questions, just let me know. We know where you are. We Thank will you. find you. you know where I am. <laughs> Thank you, Suki. Mr. Painter, for next week?
Mm, that's fine. Agenda? Okay. That's fine. Hi, Yvonne. Good afternoon. Yvonne Smith, Benefit Plan Coordinator for Clement County. It's my recommendation and also the Health Care Advisory Committee and USI with the concurrence of Sandy Tahat, Human Resources D Director, to accept the 2023 vendor recommendations as presented at the September 9th, 2022 to the Board of County Commissioners by USI. To acknowledge the renewals of the listed carriers for 2023 as outlined in the printed agenda, effective January 1, 2023, and to authorize the benefits coordinator to obtain new agreements as noted for these services for submittal to the Board of County Commissioners for ratification to establish the cafeteria plan reflecting the 2023 plans, employee cost, and the 2023 benefit credits, and to schedule the 2023 employee open enrollment. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 20. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. Okay. I'll second that. Any discussion? Roll call, Gail. Mr. Painter. Yes. Commissioner Corcoran. Yes. Commissioner Batchelor. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you get it. That's why I like to go before. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get up and go back down. Come back. <laughs> this is a request to increase the 2022 annual appropriations in the county's general fund. The first one is for juvenile court for retirement payout in the amount of $6,860. And then the other is for the sheriff's administration, other expenses in the amount of $1,076.44 for some donations. Okay. Board, you've heard the reading of item number 21. Do I have a motion to approve? I'll make the motion. Second. Any discussion? Yeah. Roll call, Gail. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. Thank you. Any additions to the agenda? No additions. Good guy. <laughs> Item number G is for us to go into executive session pursuant to section 121.22 G1 of the Ohio Revised Code to consider the employment or compensation of a public employee or more public employees. Do I have a motion to go into executive session? I'll make the motion. Second. Roll call, Gail. Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Painter? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor. Yes. We will return after executive session. We have returned from executive session where we went in for section 121.22 G1 of the Ohio Revised Code to consider the employment or compensation of a public employee or more public employees and no decisions, of course, were made. This time we'll move on to item H, county staff elected official discussion. No? Member comments? No comments today. None here. Motion to adjourn. So I'll move. I'll second. Roll call, Gail. Hurry. Commissioner Painter? Commissioner Corcoran? Yes. Commissioner Batchelor? Yes. We will see you next Wednesday. Thank you. <laughs>